Welcome to the Salesforce Spotlight Series. I'm Teresa. And I'm TJ, and we co-lead Salesforce's employee loyalty programs. We're excited to have you hear firsthand from employees at each step of their employee journey and current Salesforce alumni from around the globe. You'll also hear how Salesforce has impacted these employees' lives. Now let's go. Oh, I am so excited to be sitting here with TJ Velarde and a very special, special co-member, Aisha Kelly-Vong, who's joining us from Oakland, California. This is awesome. Thank you for joining us. And at least when I say join us, thank you for me volunteering you. Could you please do this for our co-ed spotlight? And you just standing up and saying, yes, of course, I will totally help you and share my Salesforce story. So thank you. Before we start, what are you doing today? I mean, you've been at Salesforce for how many years now, Aisha? Uh, I had 13 years today, actually. Yes. Love it. Today? Yes. Oh my yes. goodness, amazing. Well, Ooh. lucky 13. Uh, what a way to commemorate your 13 years at Salesforce. So back to the original question, what are you doing now? 13 years in, what is your role at Salesforce? 13 years in, my role at Salesforce today, I'm a Senior Director of Role Strategy for the Customer Success Organization. Tell us a little bit about role strategy. What is that? Well, you know, I'm, I'm actually still just making it up as I go along, but it is a <laughs> it's a newer team that's been formed this year. Um, and so I actually have um, spent a lot of time putting together the remit for the team. And my team basically represents our role personas in the design of all of the work that gets done. So I kind of get to represent everyone as in terms from an experience perspective um, from the all of the ins and outs of their roles um, and making sure that everything that we do in our organization is clear and practical to our roles with the goal being that the more clarity we could bring to people's roles uh, the better performance we can get from people awesome that definitely makes sense especially in the CSG organization a lot there's so many different roles so people just want to know how it all fits in into the wider ecosystem of how we support our customers so that's great so when i thought of bringing you on to this podcast it was really because you just really struck a chord for me from the very first time we met and it's been so long you know i'm hitting almost 15 years here at salesforce i'm trying to remember like when did we first meet I feel like whenever we did meet, we're like, wow, she's awesome. Let's be friends. Like, I feel like that's what happens. I don't know if like we were in a training session and you raised your hand and you asked some really thought provoking question or that you were really bold. And like, I do know, like when we do our um, COA town halls at the COA galas, like you're always there to challenge our executives, ask the, you know, the hard hitting questions. But do you remember how we met? I actually... It's kind of a blur. Salesforce tends to be a blur. It's kind of a blur because, you know, anything more than 10 years ago, it's like, I I actually don't remember. It could have been at the IPO. I was at the Salesforce IPO, even though it was, it predated when I joined. It could have been in the training class. I don't know if you remember, but my husband works at Salesforce and he's been here 18 years. So I do I, know even, that. Though, even though I've been here 13 years, I've been in the Salesforce ecosystem literally for 18 years. So even before I worked here, I used to crash all the events. Could have yeah. been, been one of those that. Yeah. It's amazing though. But uh, yes, I definitely knew that your husband worked here too. What does Tom do? What does he do? He's in Trailhead. He now runs Trailhead Help and credentials operations. Oh, that's amazing. And that means that your kids are also part of the Salesforce ecosystem too. Oh yeah. They got clothes, dolls, even in their room, 
from some of the old dream forces, the cutouts of our characters are like in their rooms. Oh, that's they amazing. Love it. Yeah. So I'm curious. So when he, did he, was he, did he refer you in and get the employee referral bonus for you getting hired all those years ago? Absolutely did. He absolutely <laughs> did. You know, what was funny is I actually told him to take the job at Salesforce. We met at a prior company and it was when the dot-com bubble burst, he got laid off and he was very shot. Like he was like, I'm not working for another dot-com. And back then Salesforce was salesforce.com. And so when he got an interview opportunity, I was like, actually, I was like, for some reason, I was like, I feel like that company seems super solid. I was like, you should interview with them. And he got offered the job and he turned it down and he took another job that looked better on paper. And then about two months later, he was like, I hate that job. I wish I didn't take it. And I said, well, why don't you call the woman back at Salesforce? It seemed like she really liked you and really wanted to hire you. And he said, no one hires you after you turn down a job. And I said, <laughs> how do you know? Have you done that before? And so he emailed Krista Anderson and oh, yeah. he was like, yes, I would love to still hire you. And then that's how he ended up here. So for years after that, because I went to all the events, I was yeah. like, this place is so much fun. And he uh-huh. was like, you know what? You talk about this company more than I do. Why don't you just come work here? And I was like, you're right. And then I interviewed and here I am. And the rest is history. I love the it. So let's, let's rewind back 13 years ago. What was your first job at Salesforce? And I'd love for you to walk myself and TJ through that career journey because- 13 years, a lot of time spent a company and people don't stay unless they feel they're always learning, but they feel they're growing. Like they feel there's opportunity. They feel like they're, they love working with the people they work with. So I love for you to just walk us through so that, you know, other co members, other new hires, other employees can just hear, you know, your career path at the company. It's funny because what I'm going to tell you, I started out doing the role actually doesn't exist anymore, which I think is actually, you know, that that's how things work around here at Salesforce. Like we're always growing. We're always like adding new roles, deprecating other roles. And the role that I came in to Salesforce doing was a premier support business analyst. And the purpose of that role was for every customer that we sold premier to, we would assign a premier support business analyst who's role would be to understand how the customer wanted to use Salesforce and then help them adopt Salesforce based on hitting those goals. And that role eventually morphed into what we today think about as a success manager. But back then, we had Premier Support Business Analysts for customers who bought Premier. And then we also had customer success managers, but they were being managed in a different part of the organization from the global support team, which was the team that the premier support business analysts were under. And then when you fast forward a couple of years and Maria Martinez came in and she spun up the customer success group, back then we did an analysis of, well, what's the difference between a premier support business analyst and a customer success manager? And so we did the work and found out that there was 80% overlap in the responsibilities, deliverables, activities. And so we merged those roles into a single role called the success account manager. And by that time, I was managing success account managers. And so then for 
nine years after that, I was leading a team of success managers through the various ways that even that role has evolved over time to today being called the success managers. And what was great about that period of time is even though my day job was managing success managers, because we were going through hyper growth and success as an organization, we had to figure out like, what do we need to do to keep pace with this growth and meet the demands of our customers? And how do we need to evolve? That work fell to leaders in the organization like me. So my night job was to also think about how we scaled delivering customer success. How do we turn what individuals are doing into repeatable, scalable programs where we can start to get to the long tail of our customers? So I got to do a lot of innovative work in terms of how we were growing and evolving the organization at the same time that I was directly managing a team of people responsible for the output. And so um, during my time at Salesforce, I actually went on to also have two kids. Um, And that's what I think is great about like my time here at Salesforce is I feel like over time, I've got to meet great people like you, Teresa, TJ, I'm sure you're great, but I just met you. And I feel like we've gone through major life milestones in the time that we've been here. People have gotten married, people have had kids. Um, And so I had two kids while I was here. And that's relevant because when I came back from maternity leave after my second child, I had an opportunity to either go back to managing my team of success managers or move into a more central team function, leading a role community for the portfolio leaders, which was the new title for managers of success managers. Okay. And so I moved into a community lead role. And that was kind of my first foray into a central team function here. And I've been in a central team since then doing various types of strategy roles for customer success, which brings me full forward to where I'm at today, leading role strategy for the roles in customer success. Gotcha. When people ask me, like, why do you love Salesforce so much? And I'm like, I met my lifelong best friends at Salesforce. And I think it speaks to the caliber of people we hire. An ex-Salesforcer, someone who I met at Salesforce, is the godmother to my children, and another Salesforcer who's still here is the godfather to my that children. Is oh my god, Isn't that I cool? love that. Like that is Salesforce. Very cool. We bring everyone together. It's not just customers and partners. It's also like your lifelong best friends. For sure, for sure. One of the things that we have co members sometimes do is we have them speak to new hires that are discovering Salesforce or becoming Salesforce program to share with our new hires what are some tips they have in getting more connected with the organization, or just like just various tips. And since I know that, you know, I have the opportunity to do that with all new hires, what advice would you give to employees that are just getting started at the company? Think about as you've grown your team, what do you really kind of tell them? Especially now, I think everyone's joining the company remotely. They don't actually get to physically see their team members right now. So any advice that you have to share, that'd be really great for them to hear. Well, um, one of my favorite things to say is that your network is your currency um, that you get to trade on um, whenever you need to call up on it. And it, it sounds like a very basic thing to be like, yeah, build out your network. But I think that it has been the key to the way that I get things done here is knowing someone or 
quite a few people in a number of different places around the business. One of the things I say to people is I tend to know a little bit of something about everything. And if I don't know it, I know who to go to to get it. And so I tell people, like, try to make that your your goal or your aim. And even if it's just like meeting one new person a quarter, just make it a point to like get out there and meet people. And you could start by the people who you immediately know and asking them like, who's the one person you think I should get connected with? And then like connect with that person. And then when you talk to that person, like who else do you think I should probably get connected with? And then just start to build out your circle, just starting with like one person. So you don't have to go whole hog and like, start calling up and reaching out to a bunch of people, you can do it in a very kind of natural and organic way by just asking the next person, like, who do you think I should talk to next if I want to learn more about this or just because I'm new or whatever, right? And I think that is something that definitely you need to do is like build out your network. And I think the other way to kind of build out your network is to get involved with the ERGs. I think that's been another source of networking for me because it's an opportunity to meet people in other teams and other organizations who I probably would never have an opportunity to work with. So I join these resource groups and get involved in like the activities that are happening in the resource groups. And the other thing I would say is taking advantage of the VTO. Some of the ways that I've built out my network here in the past has been joining the VTO, that group VTOs that other teams have organized. So it's a little uncomfortable sometimes you show up and like, You don't know anyone there because it wasn't your team or your group that organized it. But you know what? You get dropped right in the center of like some other team and it becomes, you know, you're doing an activity you care about together and it becomes just a natural way to actually just meet people. Totally. And as you say that, all of a sudden, I don't know, having a mental flashback, but did I meet you? Did you end up painting a middle school in San Francisco? Did you ever volunteer that? I did Playworks. Playworks. I'm trying to like, when was our first meeting? Okay, but yes, BTO, equality groups, great advice. I'm building your network just one person at a time. Just ask the next person who they recommend and really being focused on what you want to learn more about. I think that's yeah. huge. The other question I have for you is that you see that we, I've been able to make it for the long haul at Salesforce, as have you, as your husband has. But sometimes there's employees who maybe, you know, three years in, five years in, they kind of get the itch, like, what's what's next for me? You know, or what should I be doing? What advice do you have for those employees when they're maybe like five years into their career at Salesforce? Well, there's, I think, two parts of that question. The itch to do something else within Salesforce, or the itch to maybe it's time for me to leave Salesforce. And so I think on the the itch to maybe do something different inside of Salesforce, I think the advice that I would give is the advice that plenty of people have given me. Sometimes you have to really leave the organization that you've been a part of for a long time. And I know this is a podcast and like, I don't want anyone in the organization I'm in because I've been in CSG the entire 13 years I've been here. I don't want anyone to listen to this and be like, oh, is she going to leave the organization? But I think that that is, you know, a very real possibility at some point, because like, there's only so much you can do if you're just in the same organization the entire time. Like you have to kind of diversify your skills in some ways. You kind of got to be open sometimes to like leaving the organization and doing something else to round out your skills. And then I think there's also, you know, really kind of thinking through what is your purpose? And that's different than like the question of what do you want to be doing in three or four or five years? 
what your purpose is will help you kind of think about how does that then materialize into some type of role. Before I even joined this podcast, I was leading a mentoring circle. And this is the exact thing that I was going over with them. I had my personal plan up and the personal plan has like my career goals. It has my personal goals. It has my health and wellness goals. And the personal goals digs into like, well, what do you see as your purpose? And sometimes what you list out in your purpose column doesn't marry up with what you're doing. And so that might cause you to have to think about like, well, do I want those things to line up? Should I think about doing something different? And what are the moves? If I do want to do something different, what are the moves that I need to make to start to do that? That's trading on your network that you use as currency and meeting other people who do other types of jobs and really getting familiar with those things are. It's also, you know, sometimes just having like a very frank and open conversation with your manager and and getting your manager's feedback on what the possibilities are for those other things that you might be skilled up to do, even if it's not on your exact team. But it's a really good question because I think it's something that everyone struggles with. Like the longer I'm here, like what are the career moves that I need to make? Um, It's such a personal decision that ties back to like your ultimate career goals or what you see as your purpose And sometimes I think it's also okay to just really enjoy what you're doing too um, and stay in that for a while. But it's also hard to be at a constantly changing company like Salesforce. you got to always also try to stay in front of like the direction the company is headed because imagine if I was a premier business analyst, you know, 13 years ago and the company decided that role wasn't needed anymore, but there wasn't some place for me to go, right? Like. So you also sometimes have to think about like where we're headed and what are the where are the growth opportunities based on where we're headed in the different departments that exist in the company. Yeah. So then having like the future, like planning for your future within that org, if that's the work that you're passionate about. And, you know, one thing that you said, I really liked, you said, you know, talk to your manager. And I think that sometimes we forget that people aren't mind readers. And so when you're driving your own career and thinking about your future inside Salesforce, it's really important that you let your manager know what your intentions are and what you're trying to do and what you want to accomplish and what your goals Mm -hmm. are, what your dream job is. Like you got to let them know so they can be advocates and champions for you. I Um, I agree with that, Teresa. Just one more note on that. So in that mentoring circle, we Uh talked about brand and to your point about like talking to your manager and knowing making sure that they know like what you're interested in, where you're heading your career, what type of roles you'd be interested in is one part because as roles materialize from our growth, as they inevitably do, they might, having that knowledge, could they could say like, oh yeah, Aisha just told me that that's something that she'd be interested in doing. So I'm going to throw her name out there. But then there's also on the matter of like brand and like managing your brand, I think sometimes people don't always have enough transparent conversations with their manager on their brand and what they see their brand as, because Mm -hmm. we have to lean on our leaders to be able to represent our brand when they're talking to other people. Um, And so sometimes you also have to manage your manager so that they are lockstep with the way you see your brand and how you would want your brand to be represented when they talk about you. Yeah, you talk about brand. Actually, TJ led a session um, for our team on building your brand. And TJ, there was a piece of advice that you said I really loved. It was around, you know, what do people say about you when you're not in the room? Is that what you said? Can you elaborate on that a little bit, TJ? Yeah, it was uh, exactly that. It was a practice of, you know, what are three things that you think 
people think about you when you're not in the room? Like, what are they saying about you? And then what do you actually think about yourself? Right. And do they line up similar to what you were just saying with the purpose, right? Like if what you think of yourself does not align with what you think your manager is talking to you about, then you need to talk to your manager to your point. So there's that transparent relationship. And that when your manager, when Teresa's my manager, when she goes into a room, she can exactly tell her colleagues exactly the way I am represented and the way I work and what do I do? So exactly that. Right. Right. I love it. So what's kept you here? Again, solving your 13 year anniversary day. What has kept you here at Salesforce? (laughs) So I think what's really funny about, um, you can't say your husband, by the way, that can, sorry, Thomas, if you're listening to this, but it is actually that I have had moments super transparently where I've been so frustrated here. I'm like, I'm out of here. And I'm like, looking for other jobs. I'm like, you know, I can't stand this, this and that, and this isn't right. And I'm going. And then I start talking to people I know who have gone other places about the things that are frustrating me here. And they're like, boy, you think that's a problem at Salesforce? Like, let me tell you what would happen at my company. Okay. And so it's like, <laughs> it's, it's just like this realization that on the grand scheme of things, yeah. no place is perfect. And what it's boiled down to for me is when things are imperfect, how does the company handle the imperfections? And so it's kind of like I shifted the way that I think about it. And I'm like, especially as after we've gone through what we've gone through in this last, you know, 18 months of dealing with this pandemic and seeing how the company has responded to it and how much they've really kind of nurtured us as employees through the whole experience, acknowledged our feelings and and what we were going through and gave us resources to help us manage through it. I don't know too many other companies that were doing that. And so again, it's just kind of shifting my, my thinking around it of like, yeah, things will not always go great. But how is the company dealing with things when they don't go so great? And that actually matters more to me than like the specific things that I might be frustrated with at any given point in time. Very good perspective. So one last question before we wrap up is, you know, what do you like about being part of Koa Club? Because people who aren't part of Koa Club, they hear about it. They don't know what it's all about. They know they kind of want it. And you've been in it for three years now. What do you like about the Koa Club experience? Because it's a club. Who doesn't want to be a part of a club? (laughs) But what I I love about it, like even when we did the virtual COA experience, um, which was amazing. I was like, I felt like I did more activities in the virtual experience than when we were doing them in person. Um, I you said that because we're doing the virtual experience again this year. So oh yeah, it's happening. I'm showing up and I can't wait to build my agenda out too for the whole (laughs) week. But I do just love like reconnecting with people and talking about the olden days because quite honestly, those are the only other people who want to hear about it. When you tell someone who's new to the company, you're like, I've been here 13 years and this is how we used to do it. It's like literally for them, it's like talking to your grandparents. They're like, okay, but now there's Snapchat and there's IG. Like, (laughs) I feel like when I'm talking to other co-ed lovers, it's like 
I can reminisce on the old days and like I mean, we can commiserate. Wait, are you sure? What, you can talk to other co-ed clubbers. You could be like, remember Fan the Block? And they absolutely know what Fan the Block is. If you talk to anybody else, like what on earth are you even talking about, right? Exactly. Or how when you're looking at a current presentation of something and you're like, doesn't that look like Fan the Block? Like, <laughs> it's like, it's like so TJ like, sitting here like what's fan the block but it's okay so we're <laughs> laughing TJ straight face what is going on and like you responded it's like grandparents people don't know what you're talking about they think you're crazy exactly exactly so it's like you get with other color clubbers and you're just like okay I could talk about these things and it's it's okay because we'll all do things like this like laugh about it um yeah and so that's what I love it's I love um it. yeah I'm glad to be a part of it. <laughs> well, congratulations again on your 13-year anniversary at Salesforce. We're so glad that you're here. Glad you spent time with us, sat down with us. And we can't wait to celebrate another year, another year, another year. I'm still here. I'm here for the long run. So yeah, we will celebrate all our milestones together. Exactly. I'm retiring here, Mark, if you listen to my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the Salesforce Spotlight Series. Be sure to catch our next episode. Sending positive vibes from our Salesforce family to you and yours.